Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter is our broisto, and as we prepare today to move from, or this week, to move from Ordinary Time into Advent, we've invited our friends, Father Jacob Stinnett and Macy Becker, into the cafe to chat with us about living the liturgical seasons. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Welcome back. Yeah, it was a nice break. Yeah, can you start us with a prayer? <laughs> then we'll catch up. <laughs> In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. Thank you for your goodness and for your graces. We thank you for the way that you are working in particular in each and every one of our lives, working all things for our good. Help us to be attentive to that goodness, to honor you and praise you for that goodness, and help us to live this season of Advent well, to wait in joyful expectation that you would come into our hearts in a new way, that we would know and love you in a deeper, more intimate way. And we ask all this through the arms of Mary and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Today we also celebrate Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was it was good. I uh, I spent a lot of the weekend resting, which mm-hmm. was good. Um, actually, uh, with the family I'm with, we did a Hello Fresh Thanksgiving, which was actually made things really easy and a lot of fun to put all together. So, yeah, I made the gravy. <laughs> yeah, from a jar. No, 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 with like the trimmings and wow, yeah. Some fresh spices, you know, you know, the whole nine yards. I've never mastered gravy. No. No. Either it's like too floury or cornstarchy. Sure. It's hard. Yeah. Is there something that you're typically in charge of or that you like to make? Uh, I put the uh, turkey (laughs) eating. (laughs) Thank you, Cam. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I put the turkey in the oven. Oh. Yeah. and And I stuff it with the assorted, uh, greens you know the you know those uh sage and what do we call those things oh the herbs herbs thank you Uh yeah i'm on i'm on a (laughs) post-thanksgiving turkey pie (laughs) fog yeah herbs and apples and sometimes a lemon yeah so that sounds great yeah so good so i mean i mean turkeys are pretty easy is it yeah they're pretty easy to roast okay it's when you get into smoking them or deep frying them. Mm. Have you ever it, tried that before? Uh, way back in the day, I had a friend that did a, a turkey on a Weber, which was outstanding. I kind of supervised. I stood What's behind What's a Weber? Him. A Weber grill. You know, okay. The, yeah. Okay. Um, I've watched videos on deep frying, and I've seen how it can go bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I've decided like not to. <laughs> No, that, that's where that's where you get the hits as if uh, things catch fire mm-hmm. yeah so no 
I've never deep fried. So. Sounds safe. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was good. Everything. Uh, it was just nice family time. Mm-hmm. Played some games, hung out, you know, took it easy, relaxed. Nice. Watched a Hallmark movie at one point. Oh, so. with your girls? No, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> just, just, just wondering. <laughs> uh, but we haven't transitioned as we're talking about liturgical seasons. This doesn't quite rise to that at all. Um, we haven't moved into Christmas Hallmarks yet, so oh, okay. this was a seasonal Halloween Hallmark. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's, you know, it follows the prescribed storylines, you know, the the plot development the and everything. Plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, but I heard that uh, scientists are close to developing a, a new plot line for Hallmarks. So. Oh, scientists are developing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I heard they're close. And they just change all the decorations from like red and green and gold to black and orange. Is that <laughs> yeah. really the only difference? Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah. Some they transfer or swap out a dog for a cat. Uh huh. So yeah. Yeah. Santa becomes a goblin or something like that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Father Jacob Sinet and Macy Becker are in the cafe. We're talking about liturgical seasons. Should we try to do our maple syrup testing? Do you want to give that a try? I don't see why not. Let's do it. Allie Arendt, our wonderful webmaster, gifted us with maple syrups. Locally tapped, if that's the correct term. So I have a coffee-infused pure maple syrup. And Amanda, yours is? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah. So... We're not drinking it right out of the bottle. <laughs> We're, uh, you know, pouring it into a cup or a, trying, onto a spoon. Trying to be sanitary. Yeah. Now, Father, um, can I go for understand it? Should you're I not, wait? You're not so much of a fan. No, I'm gonna try it just to be, you know, a good team sport. But I'm really not much of a syrup sort of person. They were asking before the show started, like, well, how do you eat pancakes? And I said, well, just with butter. With a fork? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't think that's weird. Maybe our listeners do, but that's on them, not me. Well, I I tried to inform him that there is a huge difference between the store-bought syrups that you normally put on pancakes and tap maple syrup. (laughs) Father's not making a very good face. I mean, it's it's better than, like, Mrs. Buttersworth, but I don't know that I would necessarily go for it. Uh, The cinnamon flavor is nice. Mm -hmm. Like, that's sort of fun, but the rest of it. Yeah. Should try uh, the coffee one. It, yeah. The coffee is next level. Is it good? It, it is really good. You know, I actually, if you like coffee, I am a fan of actual maple syrup, but I like honey on my pancakes. <gasps> Why are you laughing at me, Cam? <laughs> I was just watching Father's face as Macy <laughs> handed him the coffee maple syrup. That's all. Did Sorry. you get some beans? Oh, the whole wow. bean fell in there. Yeah, <laughs> I got multiple. Let's see. Oh Maybe, my gosh! Well, we that one's actually isn't it good? <laughs> So, That's Allie, so thank you. Yeah. Oh, the cinnamon's a lot better. Oh, I'm not. Ugh. Oh, really? I no, like the you. coffee. That's so funny. I, th- I think this Where's confirms, the cinnamon? This I'm confirms that I'm not a maple coffee. syrup sort of person. And that's okay. And that's okay. This is a first for it's the cafe. Anybody else Desire. want some coffee syrup here? Cough okay. syrup, maybe? <laughs> anyway. Mm. Wow. Send them this The way. cinnamon's quite good also. Yeah, I like yeah, the cinnamon. Make sure Cam gets some. He's our maple connoisseur of the table. Oh, wow. It's cold and flu season, so use your own spoon. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you so much. Allie, yeah. you rock. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you very Allie. much. 
<laughs> so, today we're talking about living the liturgical seasons, just not, I guess, leaving it up to the church, but how we can enter into it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, Amanda? Yeah, I think so. Uh, how we enter in. So, this is our final week of ordinary time. And then Sunday, Father, is the first Sunday of Advent. That's right. Is this year the shortest possible? It is the shortest possible Advent season. It's all of, uh, what, 17 days or something like that? No, what, 22, 22 days. And the final day or the final Sunday of Advent is actually Christmas Eve. It's also Christmas Eve, which makes that Sunday absolutely crazy for priests because we have fourth Sunday of Advent Masses in the morning. We've got Christmas Eve Masses in the evening. We've got Midnight Mass at midnight, Christmas Day. And then I'm just going to take a nap for the rest of Christmas. I'll see my family on the 26th. (laughs) So for let's talk our obligation. Yeah. So you go for Sunday. Yeah, so we have a double obligation this year. Our obligation for the fourth Sunday of Advent still stands because it's a Sunday. We Mm -hmm. go every Sunday, right? Um, But we also have an obligation for Christmas. Um, So whatever, your parish will probably have, you know, a Saturday evening Mass and a couple Sunday morning Masses. There's your fourth Sunday of Advent obligation. And then you can go to a Christmas Eve Mass or a Christmas Day Mass, and there's your uh, Christmas obligation. You can't really fulfill two obligations with one Mass. It just numerically doesn't work out, unfortunately. Um, So maybe you'll go to Mass twice on Sunday. I think I'll go to Mass like four times on Sunday. Um, (laughs) I'll only celebrate three because Bishop Fernandez only gave us permission to celebrate three. Okay. Uh, So we're sort of juggling a lot uh, as we near the end of Advent. But that's part of the fun of it all, I think, Mm -hmm. is just as we live the liturgical life, it's crazy too. <laughs> We're not. We don't escape from the chaos of the rest of the world. So if you go to a twelve o'clock mass for the fourth Sunday of Advent, mm-hmm. just hang out and wait for the children's mass. That usually happens. Yeah, around you'll get three the best seats o'clock. in the house because they start filling up an hour and a half early. Yeah, you know. Might nice. As well. Hey, go for it. Or run out for a Christmas Eve brunch. Yeah, you know, between fourth Sunday of Advent and yeah, I'm the not getting paid mass. for this, but like Bob Evans does a great job. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Chick Fil A's closed on Sunday, so you can't go there. No, but uh, no. yeah, yeah, make a whole day out of it. Why not? Why not? So the li- liturgical seasons we have Advent. We start with Advent by then, then Christmas. Christmas. And we have a little section of ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be called the time after Epiphany. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go into Lent, and then we have the great Easter season, right? The biggest sort of celebration season that we have. And then the rest of the year is back to ordinary time, or what used to be called time after Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Pentecost isn't an actual season. No, it's um, it's really just the end of the Easter season, right? Okay. We have uh, Easter season begins with the resurrection of the Lord. And uh, 50 days later, we celebrate the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church. So the two sort of really the two biggest events um, for Christian history, um, along with Christmas, are Easter and Pentecost. Got it. And then our colors change from season to season also. And Amanda came up with a ditty. Um, yes, Dave, you're referring to the song that I would sing my first communion kids. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. So this is to music. 
Um, Are you going to sing I, it for us? Oh, well, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> okay, I I learned it from someone else who learned it from somewhere I don't know, so I might be saying it wrong. But the way I know it is. Purple and green and red and white, those are the colors of the year. And then you repeat that. And then purple is for preparation. Green is a time of growing. Red is passion and Pentecost. White is celebration. And then it goes on from there. So it's it's to help kids learn. I mean, it helped me learn and remember, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the colors of the liturgical year. So I tried to make it fun for my kids, you know? Nice. Okay, Macy, what's white? Celebration. You got it. (laughs) I've never heard that song, so I was trying to sing it back in my head. (laughs) Uh, Yep, I did not learn that growing up, but that's good. That's helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Father Red. Passion and Pentecost. That's right. Purple. Preparation. Yeah, green. Right. Dave, green. Green is ordinary. <laughs> yeah. Growing. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't worry. We'll learn darn. the song like later. <laughs> we were so close. So close to 100%. So. so actually, that does bring up a good question. Why is green considered a time for growing? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Probably because, um, I mean, during ordinary time, we are mostly going through like the parables and the healing stories of Jesus. So they're mm-hmm. just times where we're encountering either his teachings or the ways in which he can, you know, work in our lives today and just sort of more and more conforming ourselves to the Lord over a longer stretch of time. Mm-hmm. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> it works. <very> good. <laughs> yeah. It works. You know, and so we always think of Lent as a time of preparation, but Advent is also purple and a time Mm -hmm. of preparation as well right yeah I mean father you're the expert on this but that advent's my favorite liturgical season because Mm. it's it's hidden in the sense that it's much shorter than lent um but I I even though I didn't learn the song I remember growing up being like why are the priest's vestments different like well I didn't know the word vestments when I was in third grade but like what why is his robe different um but learning as I continue to grow my faith as I continue to um seek to be a, a disciple it was really beautiful to discover that Advent was also a liturgical season that is penitential um, because it invites you, right, be- before Christmas there's Advent to, to help you purify yourself in order to receive Jesus becoming incarnate. Similarly, before Easter, like as Jesus resurrects, as he finishes his time here on earth, we prepare ourselves to fully receive him at Easter. So it makes sense Mm -hmm. why we do it. But I think a lot of people don't know that Advent is actually a time um, to purify, to maybe give up or add or increase silence. Um, And I love it because it's like half the amount of time as Lent. (laughs) You're like, I can do this. It seems a little bit more attainable um, than normal. Um, But I also really love journeying with with Mary in this time. I think in particular, Lent is, is still a good time to journey with Mary, but Advent, really, as she continues and waits, um, and, and we wait with her, um, yeah, it's just such a beautiful season um, to, to prepare. What do we mean when we say it's a penitential season? I think we call, ad, like, Advent in particular, you mean? Or yeah. just any of the Yeah, let's start seasons. with Advent. Um, so it's sort of like the maybe the opposite of, of celebration, Um 
like the first movement of the Holy Spirit is always to convict us of sin, right? And so I think we have these penitential seasons built into the year as times in particular to remind ourselves, okay, one, I'm not God. Two, I'm not perfect. I'm in need of someone who is perfect. Um, just like taking that little step back in humility and going, okay, um, yeah, there's more that I can do. There's more of the person I can become. I can maybe be a little bit holier than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the church sets out these times of year before Christmas and before Easter, before these great celebrations of the one who can make us holy. Right. So that way we recognize our need for him by the time so we get So we're there. reminded of sin, but isn't Advent and Christmas all about decorations and singing and unbridled joy. (laughs) (laughs) It can have that as a part of it, right? Gaudete Sunday and Laetari Sunday are built into those seasons, right? We have that little Mm -hmm. reprieve where we get to wear pink (laughs) or rose, (laughs) depending on what priests you ask. I don't Mm -hmm. care. It's pink, whatever. (laughs) Uh, It's two days a year. Get over it uh, sort of thing. Um, So certainly, yeah, like preparation and we can put out all the decorations, but also like remembering why we're doing all of that mm-hmm. what are we getting and for ready advent for? it's to remind us that we do need a savior mm-hmm. right, right. So. Mm-hmm. exactly that's uh that's the title that jesus's name gives us and that's his principal mission is to save us right yeah. and if and if we didn't take the time to ponder and reflect on like who we are and as children of god but also as as ones who inherited original sin and that like we have the con- concupiscence we have to remember and uh, like the hope that we have um, but in that hope, why we need it, right? Mm. Like that, mm-hmm. that there's no, absolutely no way we could do it on our own. Um, and I think I was just pondering that on the way here, just that recognition of like, it's actually insane that the entire world still celebrates Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, though most, I was just watching a trailer for a movie the other day and it was, it was an interesting premise, but it was basically like this genie who had just come out of this bottle and he was like the man was explaining that it's Christmas time and she was like oh Jesus like Mary's boy and she was like oh I thought he was just kidding when he said that he was God's son like because the man was like it turns out he was God's son she was like what and like it was just such a funny thing to for me to hear because they're just remind like most of the people that are celebrating Christmas today aren't celebrating with the understanding that God literally became man and we needed that savior, like we needed our savior to do that for us. And just what a different lens, what a different veil it puts over this season. Um, I remember hearing a couple of homilies one time about like, am I ready like, it, to receive Jesus when he becomes man? And this season is the perfect time. Like, honestly, I could never say that I'm ready mm-hmm. at, at any point of my life until <laughs> God willing, I make it to heaven. But this is the time for me to re, recoup. I'm I'm reading the Read of God by Carol Hauslander. Yes, it's incredibly beautiful. I just started, and the very first chapter is just about emptiness, mm-hmm. and how like we need to be allow ourselves to be hollowed out in order to be filled, and like what are the things she, she writes in such a poetic way, but what are the things that are in in my cup that are not allowing me to hear the voice of my Savior, and ha- this season in particular how I can allow myself to be hollowed out in order to receive him and how Mary was so empty like even when she gave her yes she could have never imagined what it would do mm. um and but at the same time she gave her yes and she continually gave her yes and that's what we're called to do and to imitate her in this season and I just love that 
I think it's so beautiful. I think you, Macy, suggested that we do this show on living liturgical. I think <laughs> last time you were in, yeah, you said, just, let's talk yeah. about the, the church calendar. Yes. Feast days, solemnities. There's so many there's so many ways that we can be penitential, but there's also so many ways that we can party. <laughs> and oh, even, yeah. even in the midst of Advent, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the Feast of St. Nicholas and Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Juan Diego and um, just some really beautiful times in the midst of a penitential season that we remind, like, we are Easter people, right? Or we, like, the God became incarnate. So we never forget that, like, not only do we have to recognize our need, but we, we have a Savior. Mm-hmm. So there are those times that we must celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a really important point, Macy, I think, because, you know, in Lent also we have several feast days. Right. Right, Father? That's right. Um, And we are, I would assume, obligated to celebrate those as a feast. Mm-hmm. And step out of that penitential time. That's right. Yeah. Um, I was just looking through the liturgical calendar for like the first couple weeks of Advent. And outside of Sunday, I think I wear purple like twice the whole week because we have various saints who are coming up. Um, we've got, you know, like St. Some of the more obscure ones that maybe we aren't so familiar with, St. John Damascene uh, or St. Ambrose. Next who, Monday, right? Uh, are coming up. Monday and then, the, yeah. Monday the 4th, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then we've got like the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Little House in Loretto, um, and uh, like St. Lucy's coming up. St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas. Uh, Juan Diego's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope Damasus maybe is like the 11th. Um, You're right. Pulling that one out, right? Wow, You're look right. at that. Well done. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we've got all these like saints that we're celebrating in Advent. Um, so, really, it's only the last week of Advent that we're going to be wearing purple consistently every day. Um, Lent, uh, we sort of treat saints a little bit differently in Lent. Lent, we're sort of pushing that penitential aspect a little bit heavier. So, mm-hmm. saints' feast days actually get downgraded a level. Um, they're mostly just commemorations, which means that we're still going to be wearing purple. We're going to be saying our Lenten prayers. We might throw an extra prayer in there for the saint. Um, but there are two big feast days that come up during Lent in which we throw all Lent out the window and we're going to go crazy. March 19th, which is the Joseph. Solemnity of St. Joseph, and March 25th, which is the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are big days. And when those days fall on a Friday, we can eat meat on that Friday during Lent, but only if the Friday is March 19th or March 25th. Okay. So um, when we were at the seminary, we would also celebrate St. Terribius March 27th as a solemnity because he was the patron of our main chapel. Mm. And so like there'd usually, it was usually about every three years, one of those three days would fall on a Friday and we would just like eat all the okay. meats, like get yeah. all the meat sweats and everything because it's like... <laughs> We have to do this. Like, yeah. like you said, it's almost an obligation <laughs> to yeah. celebrate these yeah. feast days by slaughtering mm-hmm. some pig somewhere mm-hmm. and consuming all of it. Um, <laughs> what would be the difference between celebrating a feast day and a solemnity? Um, that's a good question. So, like, as far as technical distinctions, um, like, solemnities are going to be, like, the biggest... Um, most important feast days of the year. So the Immaculate Conception, uh, celebrating, uh, you know, the beginning of Our Lady's life and her mission. Um, That's on a Friday this year. Uh, it is on a Friday this year. <laughs> so remember that. So those who keep the the Friday penance uh, throughout the whole year, you're uh, reprieved of that a week from this Friday. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and like the Annunciation uh, is another solemnity. All Saints Day is a solemnity. 
Um, and these are like the, the biggest feasts of the year, the most important ones. And, and we start the year right on January 1st. We do. That's the solemnity, Mary, the mother of God, yeah. on the octave day of Christmas. Um, but like liturgically, solemnities, we're going to have um, like two readings at Mass. We're going to say the Gloria. We're going to say the Creed. The one cool thing about solemnities, um, taking sort of like a broader picture of liturgy, not just the Mass, but like the whole public prayer of the church, which is what liturgy is, um, liturgy for solemnities begins the night before. Um, so for those solemnities, we'll celebrate um, the evening prayer vespers. Um, it'll be a special first vespers is what they call it for the solemnity. So uh, the church says not only are we going to party for one day, we're going to party for a day and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it's so important. Um, this celebration is like some mystery of the faith that's so central to our lives mm -hmm. that we need to start early, <laughs> essentially. Father Stanette, Macy, what are your thoughts on making that day extra special? Like how to celebrate a solemnity well? I think um, certainly taking some time for prayer, maybe find a reflection from one of the popes or, um, or if it's like a, a, a saint's day, like go find a, if there's a local church or some prayers written by that saint or written to that saint, say some of those also like take time to have extra dessert that day or something <laughs> like that. Um, there's a, there's a, a You're book channeling father Blau. There we go. Right there. Perfect. Um, there was a book that came out a number of years ago. It was called drinking with the saints. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has like fun themed cocktail recipes for various saints days. There's also eating with the saints or something like that yeah. that has like saint themed, uh, recipes or for cooking or baking. Um, mm -hmm. and that can be like a fun way of incorporating some aspect of, of that saint's story uh, right. into your life or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I have a book all about how to live liturgical seasons. But for me, a lot of it is like yesterday was the solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. So yeah, <laughs> so praying with a reflection on Jesus, King of the Universe, but then also just getting myself a nice coffee because mm -hmm. it's a solemnity, not only a Sunday, but it's also mm -hmm. the last solemnity of this liturgical year. Um, but then this past year um one day our staff it was the feast of the archangels and so nicole our choir director came in and brought angel food cake and blackberries That's because so apparently <laughs> when when saint michael defeated the devil he fell on a a bush and they made blackberries and so yeah <laughs> with the angel food cake right there's a lot of like random things like for yeah. the feast of saint joseph they they there's this tradition where it's like the, a saint joseph's table where you literally just put butcher tape put your paper on your table and then put like spaghetti or something. Then you just like eat. I don't, there's, there's so many different there's ways. Did you, you do that do at the things. Josephina? Uh, no, we had a very fancy like mimosa brunch for mm -hmm. St. Joseph's day, um, yeah. which I would probably prefer over the spaghetti on butcher paper, but that sounds fun too. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. It's a blast. There's another weird tradition for the feast of the archangels at the end of September of having like a big stuffed goose because of the feathers on the goose look like angel wings. Oh, man. So, wow. like, it doesn't have to be, no. like, the closest representation to the saint. Like, just come up with something. If you can something. explain it, you can do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever excuse you need to stuff a goose in the right. middle of September, go like, for it. Even, like, the, the <laughs> most basic thing for the, the Feast of St. Nicholas, like, having people put their shoes out and, like, I've seen parents just do a candy cane or some little chocolate coins to mm -hmm. represent the, the saint. Um, but just being able to 
you know, even in the, there's tons of books. I know one family that I lived with, they had this children's book that explained Advent and every night there would be like a small scripture passage they'd read right after dinner. And they talked them, basically walked them through salvation history, their children, which is incredible. So these bigger um, seasons for sure. But then the smaller saints, like if you're, you have a patron saint, just being aware of their, their feast day. Like this past year, I picked St. Clair as my patron for the year, and her feast day is August 11th. And again, I bought myself a coffee in the morning. <laughs> That's pretty much my go-to. This is your celebration. Um, but yeah, just like any way to take a, just a moment out of your day and remember the bigger story that is our lives and that, that we can live through the liturgical season. Right. I think the importance there, like you shared, is not only celebrating and getting that special treat, right? right. That, that ice cream or that dessert. Mm -hmm. But like you said, taking a moment to consider, okay, well, why are we celebrating this? Mm -hmm. Why am I making this important? Right. And I think too, just to mention like the drastic difference between the secular culture and the Catholic church is that like a lot of people take down their Christmas trees, sometimes even the night of Christmas day, the 25th. And like we get Christmas for how many more days? Like through the epiphany. Yeah, we're going for another two weeks, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like amazing how how quickly i mean just as we need i mean i don't think i could ever live in an actual place without four seasons like fall winter spring summer um just as we kind of need that refresh um in our in our regular lives to be like oh like we love the budding of the trees because that means winter is almost over and we have this new resurgence it's it's a very similar thing in the church liturgical calendar like we we need this time of penitence. This it, it, it's very fitting that it happens during winter because we have this like moment of waiting. And then I think too, and I don't know, I don't know all of the history behind this, but basically, it's set up in such a way that like the light continues to grow dimmer. And then once Christmas Day, a little bit after, happens, the actual like our the light in the world starts to grow brighter mm -hmm. once Jesus comes into the world. And there is so much to that but i think that's really beautiful that the church in her wisdom has like made this calendar such that it really fits it fits in with our lives but actually we should allow our lives to be conformed to it um to to really enter into these seasons well because if we enter into the penitential seasons well then we can party even more that's right <laughs> once they're over that's right no that sort of almost like cosmological aspect of the liturgical calendar is one of the coolest things about it mm -hmm. um they're working on putting out a revised version of the Liturgy of the Hours, that daily prayer of daily public prayer of the church on behalf of the church. And one of the really cool things that they're doing is they're restoring some of the old hymns that had been lost when the breviary was uh, retranslated in the 1970s. Um, these are a series of hymns written by St. Ambrose all the way back in the wow. 300s. And they track... Um, each day of the week according to the days of creation in the first creation account. Um, so we're looking at the week um, as this sort of miniature of creation. Mm. Um, the sun, you know, rises on the first day. Okay, Jesus Christ, the sun, rises on the first day. Mm. And then we're sort of tracking this beautiful creation until we come to a moment of rest on the last day. And that's where the whole, like, cosmological arc of all of creation is coming to is like we're looking to that last day of creation where we'll be at rest finally um, in a new heavens and a new earth. So even like within the structure of the week, we have that. Mm 
-hmm. There's another series of hymns that's coming out in the Liturgy of the Hours that looks at just one single day and that the sun rises in the morning and sets at night and just like how that cosmological arc is also contain also contains the entirety of salvation history in it. Mm. So like in so many different macrocosmic or microcosmic ways, what we're celebrating liturgically is also like the reality of creation and salvation. And I just think that's really cool. Well, you had mentioned following the, the saints on, on, on solemnities, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Office of Readings, very often has uh, a homily or uh, a, a teaching from a particular saint. And yeah. that's a, just a really beautiful way to enter into the day. Mm-hmm. If you do the Office of Readings first thing in the morning, then you can kind of walk more closely with the saint throughout the day. Yeah, definitely. Um there are lots of, yeah, good, like, homilies from 1,500 years ago. And it's so right. cool that they still speak to us. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the Office for Readings on Christmas Day is from uh, St. Leo the Great. And it's just, he's exhorting the people, like, remember your Christian dignity. Like, God became man so that you might become God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that sort of concise yeah. phrase from the fathers. And just, like, remember that that's who you are. Um, and that's the greatest dignity ever bestowed on anything in creation. Mm-hmm. Like, don't take that flippantly or don't ignore that. Like, remember that, live that as right. we've been talking about. I think that goes to, to show too. Uh, I mean, something that I'm even dealing with in my own life is that it's so easy. I mean, especially as a lay person to, to forget uh, that truth. <laughs> and It's easy for priests too. Right. Like we're yeah. not exempt from that. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but even with that, like these seasons help us to remember. And the seasons help us to remember, the feasts help us to remember, the solemnities, the penitential acts. Like, um, and we have to actually be so disciplined about it. That's what I'm rediscovering again in, in my discipleship with the Lord. It's like there is not a moment to lose in, in that remembrance and that reminder. Um, just praying with the, the Annunciation and Visitations Day with the Rosary and the Joyful Mysteries, uh, like merit. Mary and Elizabeth and Elizabeth saying to Mary, blessed is she who believed all the Lord had promised. And I remember one of my friends, I was, I was sharing that with her. And she said a week later, like, yeah, because you said that I made this board in my room that I went through the Old Testament and different things and wrote down all the promises that God made. Mm. And like all the ways that he calls us beloved, all the ways that he calls us his children all the like the things that he said he's going to do for us they're there it's literally right there like in the daily mass readings in scripture in the gospel um anywhere that we look and it's so easy um i was just listening to another podcast the other day that um was just talking about how we give we give hours of our day to the secular culture right like whether or not we're watching shows or just working in the world and we give one hour to the lord which is wonderful and beautiful if, if we are able to pray that 30 minutes to an hour every day. But we have to be very careful and very aware of like the all the other hours, what we're actually allowing in to our minds because we have this beautiful story that we're supposed to be living out of, living from this, this belovedness that we have. Um, but I can tell you that I haven't done a great job of that, you know, um, that recognition um, of all these counter ways that, even that one hour um, isn't enough. So mm-hmm. I know for me, this this Advent, I'm just trying to cultivate a lot more silence um, to re-spark that understanding, that mm-hmm. more 
deeply rooted truth of my identity in the Lord. Um, yeah, because we need that. Mm-hmm. We need these. Uh, that that's why typically Advent comes around at the perfect time of like, oh yeah, I'm not doing it again. So and this needs to be renewed. Yeah, and I think particularly because Advent is a little shorter. Mm-hmm. I myself am trying to remind myself, okay, this you only got twenty two days <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So I have to be on it. Um, but Macy, is there besides maybe like just a calendar with the feast days on it? Mm-hmm. Do you? particularly have any tools that you like to remind yourself of what's happening in the liturgical calendar or ways that you remind yourself? I mean, typically I read the daily mass readings every day. And so that usually most of the time that gives you like what the, the feast or the solemnity is that day. Um, but I think outside of that, I have a few books, different things. I like looking up, I love learning. So I have um, like the Catholic all year liturgical calendar book that literally goes through all the different feast days and gives you ideas of what to cook and maybe different ways, like different prayers to pray. Um, There's another book that came out called Living the Seasons. Uh, It's by a company called Be a Heart. Uh, Again, not getting paid for this, but um, (laughs) it's a great book. I have the Drinking with the Saints book. Um, Most of the time too, like these seasons are not meant to be lived alone. Right. So, so it's really important. Like if you're doing something, it's like best to do it in community. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when when you want to make a cocktail because it's a saint's feast day, maybe you do it with a group of people um, because that's a pretty expensive cocktail to make by yourself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, That's the thing with the drinking of the saints book. You need a rather extensive bar to make some of those things. Yeah. Um, But even just looking up, yeah, the simple ways to do things, but inviting other people into it. I mean, I love, inviting people over for brunch if it's a solemnity or um, a, co- a few years ago, I had a group of women over for um, the Immaculate Conception and made, everything was white. So we had white wine and then we had like chicken Alfredo and like angel food cake because Mary is immaculate. So everything had to be white. That's and awesome. then, yeah, we had like roses on the table and it was so fun because most people don't do that, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. They don't roll out the red carpet for these feast days, but that's what being Catholic, like that's what makes it so fun. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it such an adventure because when you invite, especially people who don't do that often and you explain to them why you're doing it, they experience the Lord in a different way. They're like, oh, the Catholic church or the Christian faith isn't just about being sad all the time or like struggling through it. It's like there are these beautiful saints and feast days and solemnities that remind us of the joy that is awaiting us. And no matter how fun a party we could throw on this earth could be, like imagine how much (laughs) better it is in heaven, right? Um, So yeah, those are the few things. Um, I just love looking up different recipes. So even even if you don't have one of the books, it's like, oh, what does this feast day make you think of? Or what is this saint story? What are they known for? And then you can incorporate that into into a dessert or into your dinner for that night. And it doesn't actually take that much more effort than what you would normally do if you're meal planning. So those are creative ways. Yeah. Father Jacob Stinnett and Macy Becker here in the cafe with us this morning. We're talking about living the liturgical seasons. Did you guys ever do the Jesse tree growing yes. up? Yeah. Uh, well, I did not do it growing up, but I did it with the family that I lived with a couple of years ago, and it was so beautiful. It is like, yeah, just walking through salvation history. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you you have a, well, the way that we did it, uh, it's a cutout, like Christmas tree type thing. Uh, and each day you would have an ornament from 
uh, a Bible story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just yeah. beautiful. Just it, walked through salvation history. Yeah, you know, through the creation, the fall, Noah's Ark. I mean, mm-hmm. all the all the other big stories. And it's very engaging uh, for the entire family. That's mm-hmm. awesome because you're re, you know revisiting these scripture passages year after year too. Yeah. And it's, a, it's as an you were saying, Macy, basically. it's 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 a way to slow down, right? And, mm-hmm. and really enter into each day mm-hmm. uh, of the season. Along with the uh, the Advent wreath. That's so. awesome. Because I remember, like, especially going through seminary, because Advent was sort of split into two different parts. We had preparing for exams and then going home for break. Right. <laughs> right. was really what Advent yeah. was. Right. So it was always like a really rushed season. And, like, I never felt like I could really enter into it very well because it's like we have all these other things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a great idea to take one day at a time. Look at each step along the way that God's been journeying yeah. with his people. Mm-hmm. When the mass readings do that also during Advent, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time with the prophets. Yep. Right, uh, Isaiah. Isaiah in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isaiah. And then uh, a lot of the gospel readings will focus on Mary and John the Baptist are sort of our two mm-hmm. uh, protagonists maybe uh, for Advent as both of them are in some way preparing for the birth of Christ and for the mission of Christ. Um, as he's coming to be our savior. Yeah. When we, so Advent and Christmas, and we go back into ordinary time right after, what, in January, right? Is it right after the Epiphany? Yes, usually, um, depending on what day of the week Christmas is, um, it will celebrate Epiphany, and then either the Sunday or the Monday after Epiphany will be the baptism of the Lord. Um, and that's sort of the launch point for ordinary time, for the first part of ordinary time. Um, and I think, like going back to that idea of growing, like that's where Jesus begins his public mission, right? Mm-hmm. He has that that theophany where the dove descends from heaven, the voice of the Father is heard, this is my beloved son. Uh, and then we'll hear later, you know, in that other theophany on Mount Tabor, listen to him um, mm-hmm. because uh, we need that reminder as well. Um, so we'll have that time then of growth uh, for the first few, usually about five or six weeks of Mm -hmm. the year until we get to Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Nice. So then into Lent, then Easter, and then back into ordinary time, and it just continues to cycle through. Mm -hmm. Yep. Here we go. It's wonderful. Yeah. I want to have you, while we're talking about the liturgical seasons, Father, to talk about the Easter vigil because sure for those, I'm I'm a convert, so I experienced the vigil in a really beautiful beautiful profound way but so many people don't go to the vigil yeah i don't necessarily blame them for that um it's a long (laughs) mass like i think you know normal sunday mass we're looking at about an hour although we're not bound to that so don't get mad at me if i go for 63 minutes or something like that uh you'll survive hopefully um but like the easter vigil we're looking at two and a half maybe even three and a half hours just depending on how many baptisms we have and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing um like with the example of the Jesse tree of like taking it step by step through salvation history. We're doing all of that in the liturgy of the word at the Easter vigil. Like we've got uh, seven old Testament readings and Psalms. Uh, Some priests will uh, like cut that down to maybe three or four anyway. um, (laughs) And so we've got like this really long extended liturgy of the word. That's only the second part of mass. For the first part, we're starting outside. We're in the dark in the the, dark. Yeah. At the Easter fire. Um, and so that's supposed to represent, again, in this sort of like grand cosmological sense, that's supposed to re- represent like 
the world at, a, at the beginning when it was just void and chaos. And like we light the Easter fire, we light the Easter candle from the fire that we blessed. And it's there that uh, light and Christ are proclaimed for the, for the first time, just as he was at the beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let there be light is sort of represented in this liturgical way of we're lighting a fire out in the dark. We're lighting this candle, which represents Christ. And we're lighting, and we are all lighting our candles from that big Easter mm-hmm. candle. And so we're being guided through the darkness into the church by this light that's leading us, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the lights get flipped on. They get flipped on during the Gloria. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those readings from the Old Testament are right. done in the darkness. Yeah, the bells ring. Yeah. And it's representing, because like the Gloria isn't something that we just made up. It comes from scripture, at least mm-hmm. the first couple of lines. That's the song of the angels at Christmas. And so um, this light that's been prefigured from, you know, Genesis three sixteen 16 um, comes among us. And so all the lights in the church come on, the bells ring during the Gloria, because that's the moment that we're celebrating the incarnation of the Lord. Um, so, so much symbolism and imagery is built into um, the Easter Vigil just at the beginning. And like, we haven't even gotten to the cool part yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cool part of the Easter Vigil is, um, you know, that we have these, the liturgy of baptism, where people um, who are coming into the church get baptized, they receive confirmation, um, and it's quite the extended liturgy. Um, we have this big, long prayer over the water, which again, commemorates salvation history. Um, we say it, I say it nearly every week when I do baptisms, but it's talking about, again, creation, uh, the, the exodus event, right? Um, that God parts the Red Sea as a sign of baptism um, mm-hmm. and then goes all the way up to the, the water that flows out of Jesus' side when he's pierced on the cross, um, another symbol of baptism, and then his command uh, to go and baptize all the nations. And we're talking throughout the year about our story and the story of salvation. But that's what I really love about the liturgical seasons and, and, and these celebrations throughout the year. And in, in, a, in a particular time or on a particular day, we, re, we really like zero in, mm-hmm. you know, and magnify one particular aspect of it. And you have these uh, celebrations like the Easter Vigil where you kind of get it all. Right. But, uh, yeah, but throughout the year, throughout the seasons, we're we're getting profound glimpses into yeah. the story. I think for me, that just reminds us that um, Christianity isn't just like this nice series of propositions that we hold with our minds. It's something that's real and historical and lived. And mm-hmm. like there are different aspects of it that we don't just encounter with our minds, but we encounter with our lives and our bodies and right. our hearts. Like we're we're living it like it's something real, mm-hmm. not just right nice thoughts yeah yeah i think that's what i love about it too um in these celebrations in these ways the penitential seasons the celebratory seasons all of the things um that i mean the church itself even by giving like jesus by giving us the sacraments has instituted that like it's not just a, a spiritual thing that we do in our minds it's like a very lived experience through our bodies and and honestly, it's like not doing this is actually hurtful for us. Mm-hmm. Like we, we need to enter in. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only because when we celebrate, it's really fun, but like <laughs> I, I've just thought in a, in a similar way, um, 
the joys of life are not as joyful without the, the sufferings, mm-hmm. right? Like we, when we experience the hard things, it makes the joyful things that much sweeter. And when we enter into it willingly and we choose even little sufferings or we choose to embrace well the sufferings that have already been gifted to us, um, that we can then enter into the joyful, the resurrection that much more fully um, because we've been able to be uh, diligent in in the small things, um, but but through our bodies, right? That's that's the most important. Like we are body and soul mm-hmm. together as one, um, and so yeah. It's just really when I think you know the time that I was away from any sort of a religion, <laughs> you know, spiritual, not religious, that that time mm-hmm. in my life that didn't realize how much I missed community and the celebration mm-hmm. with other people. Uh, and, and then when I came into the church and started participating in baptisms and going to ordinations and mm-hmm. so the things like the vigil and funerals, really entering into this reality, this, this, the profundity of it, um, and doing it with other people, mm-hmm. I, I, I could never be apart from it again. Mm-hmm. And and I think so many of us though treat um, uh, treat the uh, the church as something that we can do for uh, on a Sunday, and mm-hmm. you know, in, in in for a baptism or a funeral. But living the seasons with other people really is right. It makes all the difference. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to celebrate. Like, mm-hmm. for our birthday or, I mean, like, even look at the secular holidays that we have here in America, like Labor Day, Independence Day, uh, Memorial Day, Thanksgiving. Um, what do we do at those? We gather together. Like, right. we're going to have... Food and barbecue. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers for Independence Day and, and like, fresh-cut watermelon. That's what we do. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's always done with people. Like, if you're to make a big feast in your house and just eat by yourself, well, that's... Pathetic. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of sad. Yeah. Um, like, come on over, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, join in. Exactly. Well, it's um, so natural, so human to exactly. desire communion. And that's that's the exact same thing that we're doing liturgically too. Like, it's not. I think, but the, better. So, exactly. Yes, and better <laughs> and better um, because God's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's easy for us to sort of, uh, especially in in our American culture, to divide like what we do spiritually or religiously from the rest of our lives um the sort of like privatization of religion and it it just leads to these strange uh things that like if we really step back and look at it like we're just doing human things um Mm -hmm. and like god is entering in and that's the beauty of the incarnation god enters into human things he's like yes these are good i'm Mm -hmm. a part of them with you um and that's what that's what liturgy is. That's what celebration is: doing human things with God. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, the most beautiful part of the mass for me in my experience. And like when I'm praying the mass, is is the point where the priest Jesus says, "Through him, with him, and in him," and like I just give everything to Jesus at that point. <laughs> like this is a, that's what I want. That's how I want to live my life. Um, and but I want to. I mean. Yeah, for lack of better words, like, but I also want to party, you know, mm-hmm. like I want, I want to have fun. <laughs> Do it with uh, others, but with yeah. others, but with Christ, because yeah. yeah, he, um, he takes nothing away, right? Mm-hmm. He actually adds to I love everything, that. and yeah. I'm not the first person that said that. It was definitely a pope, um, <laughs> but 
yeah it, that's just the story that's what i've been just really reflecting on recently is like just the stories that we tell ourselves and the 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 things right that we've been talking about this whole time of like the seasons helping us remember who we are we are god's people we're god's children um so we entered the, into that with one another but it so easily could be the opposite, right? Where we choose to isolate and seclude ourselves and, and keep ourselves from communion. And I've definitely had seasons in my life where I've done that. Mm-hmm. And it's never good. Like, it's never fun. It's mm-hmm. never joyful. It's never life-giving. Um, and it's always that point where I'm like, okay, Lord, I need you. Um, not even again, but I need you, like, renewed for the first time. Like, I need you to, to meet me here and be my Savior um, because I can't. I can't do it alone, one without you, but also without others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just really beautiful that uh, that Jesus in his wisdom. And our world is so isolated today, you know, with right. technology and social media and, and just like the results of COVID too. Mm-hmm. Like we're all sort of quarantined for so long and we sort of got used to that mentality in a weird way. Right. That, yeah, like that community aspect is so important um, for, for liturgical mm-hmm. celebration. Right. Absolutely. It makes it so much better too. Like I... When yeah. I lived at the family a few years ago, they did with like 12 other families. There were like over 50 plus families and young children at this big Mardi Gras party that Woo-hoo. they had on Fat Tuesday. And they did like waffle fries and like a waffle fry bar. Oh, thing hell for yeah. Fat <laughs> and it was That's amazing. Great. And it's like when you think of something like that, like these are all like 30 like something young families with three to six kids each. And just like as a child, could you imagine like growing up with that? And like, they're like, yeah, we're doing this because it's about to be Lent. And like, they just know that, but they, they, it's like pinpointed with these like beautiful celebrations with this group of people who are living the same way. Um, yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> you know, and we have close to 2000 years worth of these family traditions and ways that yeah. uh, these, uh, the, the, the liturgy's been lived out and uh, the celebrations. So, yeah, tap into it mm-hmm. and yeah, find from others. What a great tradition yeah. that then this will be probably carried on for generations, mm-hmm. for, you know, by those kids that, uh, yeah, absolutely. that lived it there. Mm-hmm. Father Jacob Stanett and Macy Becker here in the cafe as we talk about the liturgical seasons and living them to their fullest what are your plans or hopes for Advent, Macy? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, for me, I think it's going to be just another reset and reminder of, of who I am as the Lord's beloved. Um, I'm, I am giving up watching shows so that I can incorporate more silence into my life. Including Hallmarks? Um, including our harm wow. uh yeah serious but and a lot of times when i when i do this it's it's more of like giving up uh watching it by myself and not in community um so if i if somebody asks me to watch a movie with them hmm. like i will do it right but um it's not going to be a regular part of my day just to incorporate more silence into it um and then just um reading the read of god by carol Hauslander. there's tons of um beautiful liturgical materials available like i know ascension mm-hmm. and like there's just a, a plethora of different devotionals and journals and things and i love doing that during advent and lent just because sometimes um i am not a scripture scholar so i need um maybe a little bit more guidance so that i can enter into prayer more deeply in this season so mm-hmm. yeah. how about you personally father um 
So personally, uh, December 8th is my uh, Marian consecration day. Nice. So usually starting, you know, November 5th, mm-hmm. um, I begin the, the 33 days to that. Uh, there's a new book uh, that Father Boniface Hicks, who's uh, a Benedictine so um priest uh he put out a new consecration to mary and um you know saint louis de montfort has like that imagery of like being a slave to mary Mm -hmm. and all these things and uh father father boniface has sort of changed the verbiage a little bit he's like that doesn't really sync well with our modern world as much uh, especially in america with our uh you know checkered past of slavery um so he's like looking at it as not so much slavery but like living in the womb of Mary, mm. um, like our total dependence and total protection um, in the womb of Mary, and who else is there? Jesus mm. is there. So, like, yeah. it wow. like in a very physical way, I think reminds us that we go to Jesus through Mary. Right? That was mm-hmm. Louis de Montfort's whole thing. So, yeah. um, and, and Father Boniface, he is absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah. he's just yeah. on fire with with the Lord. Um, and so, there have just been a lot of daily reflections that have like. Ooh, okay, that was convicting. Nice. Um, that just sort of like really stab you a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, I need to, yeah. I need to focus like time and prayer on that, or just like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really reflected on like I've never reflected on the womb of Mary and like how important that is, right. like as a place to be, um, or just like how how that's where the church is supposed to be, like cultivated in her so we can grow close to her son that dovetails very nicely with a recommendation i'm going to make uh a book called rejoice advent meditations Mm -hmm. with the holy family if you get a chance to take a look at it today friends do that tomorrow we're going to tell you why this particular book again rejoice advent meditations with the holy family is going to be a big part of the cafe through the Advent season. Mm. Macy, you have a big couple days days. at Mm BuckeyeCatholic.com. Our friends should visit. It's your... It's the first ever phone-a-thon, so students are going to be calling supporters and just talking to them about their personal experiences. And, yeah, it's going to be a great time, I hope. So pray for the students. (laughs) Good. So, friends, if caller ID pops up, Buckeye Catholic. Answer the yeah. phone, right? <laughs> Don't let it go to voicemail. Yeah. Pick it up. You can also support go to, yeah. amen, go mm-hmm. to BuckeyeCatholic.com and uh, support all the great work that's being done on the campus of The Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow we'll be back with uh, uh, Dr. Marlon uh, Delatore as we wrap up our series on the Beatitudes. Until then, glory be to the Father and to the Son into the Holy Spirit. As, As it, it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning is, is now, now and ever shall be, a world without end. end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 8.